this time on episode 434 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We talk Miss Marvel, Disney Plus Season 1, Episode 5, time and again. Weekly Marvel news, including Echo series casting and Marvel boss Kevin Feige's relationship with Sony and your feedback. I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm back as producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen, whether it's big or small, by Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, July 7th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Norvale wide and come and join our live chat as we record. If you didn't already catch it, we love talking about Marvel. Because even your uptight, boring Ami has some good surprises for you. If you'd like to talk to us about surprises, you can visit our website, LegendsOfShield.com. If you want to tell us about the most surprising thing you learned about your AMI, leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can tell us all their secrets by going to Twitter and tagging us at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you happen to have a video that you sneakily recorded of your AMI doing something really cool, you should tag us when you post it over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. You can give us detail after detail on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network, where sometimes even our Amis listen to the show. I think my Ami would listen to the show if she was still around, but uh, unfortunately she passed away several years ago. Both of them, actually. But I want to say you guys did an admirable job last week without me. Thank you so much for continuing the show while I was on vacation. Vacation, he says. Uh Uh-huh. Secret level seven stuff. Quote unquote vacation. Hey, Uh Tahiti's really nice at level seven. I bet. I'm sure they let you remember all of it. Oh, yeah, I remember all of it. I remember way more. As a matter of fact, if you want to listen to the bonus audio afterwards, you'll find out all about how beautiful it was. In the meantime, we've got an episode of Ms. Marvel to talk about that I can't wait to talk about it since I watched it last night. I texted you guys and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about it. And I got nothing back in return. So we might have something to talk about. Anyway, here we go. Let's talk about it right now. Ms. Marvel Episode 5 premiered on Disney Plus, the streaming service, on Wednesday, July 6, 2022. The episode was titled Time and Again, and the IMDb description reads, The bangle reveals to Kamala secrets about her family and lineage, 
as well as The Truth Behind the Veil. Chris, who directed the episode? This one was directed by Charmaine Oboy Chinoy, who has 15 directing credits starting in 2004, a whole bunch of documentaries, and a couple episodes of Miss Marvel. If you want to hear a deep dive into her, you should go back and listen to last week's episode where Michelle told you a lot of wonderful information. Yeah, I'm editing that episode right now, and I am getting something new from that every time I listen to that spot. I'm going to listen to it a couple more times as I edit through it, but Michelle, you did a good job going through that last week. Thank you. And Michelle, who wrote this episode? This episode was written by Fatima Ashgard. They have six writing credits starting in 2014. The short film called Fred, Brown-Eyed Girls, which is an Emmy-nominated web series that highlights friendship among women of color. One episode of Visible Poetry Project and Got Game, which is a short film which uses video game graphics to establish the shifting mood of the main character. Retrieval is a short film coming out this year. According to their website, Bisha Ali, which is the showrunner, is a co-producer. And this episode of Miss Marvel. I was interested in who they got to write this story. We talked last time about how the topic of partition was part of this Miss Marvel series and important and how it got to be told. So I did a little digging about Fatima. Fatima is a poet, a fiction writer, and a filmmaker. Fatima cares less about genre and instead prioritizes the story that needs to be told and finds the best vehicle for it. Their first book of poems, If They Come For Us, explore themes of orphaning, family, partition, borders, shifting identity, and violence. They co-edited Hala, If You Hear Me, that is an amazing title, an anthology for Muslim people who are also women, trans, gender, nonconformity, and or queer. I got this information from their website, which I put the link in the show notes, but it's Fatima Ashgar, one word, dot com. And on Twitter, I found a post where they and Bisha Ali made a starter list on partition readings. I have the link to the Twitter status in case you would like to follow them on Twitter. And I have a link to the document that has the list of readings in case you would like to learn more about partition. Once again, Marvel has come out and they have taught me something that I didn't really care to know that much about before. But because of the gripping storytelling of this, I feel like I need to deep dive into it and to find out more about what happened in that subcontinent in the 40s, because this is just opening my eyes. I mean, I knew that there was a breakup post-World War II. It wasn't just the subcontinent. It was a lot like Israel was created about that same time. And a lot of countries were created out of nothing that just were created because it was post-World War II and everybody was trying to define a new world order. But this in particular, the story is very gripping. The mass migration of people that had to happen overnight. I'm sure that there was a lot of violence that occurred at the same time. I think there was a Doctor Who episode that was created about this same topic, about this same time. So yeah, I am very interested into it, and I adore the storytellers that they got 
to tell last episode's story and this episode's story. And Michelle, thank you for digging this up. So this was a real treat to get to know some of the behind the scenes here. Again, they kept saying about how important partition is to the story. And I wanted to know the bona fides of the writer. And Fatima is definitely someone that they got. I actually watched a few of their projects and they really do explore relationships. A lot of their work is not safer work. So something you do need to watch from home, but they do explore relationships and sensuality which we saw here in the romance of Sana's parents, which we'll talk about. Brilliant. It made me just, I, I fell down the hole of their work today. Yeah, just amazing. We'll talk about it as we talk about the episode. By the way, you already said it, but I just want to footstomp it again. Bisha K. Ali is the Ms. Marvel showrunner. I think Bisha has been doing a phenomenal job. I think you mentioned it last episode. Michelle, I mentioned it two episodes ago. This is my new Disney Plus favorite Marvel series, without a doubt. This is it. I'm hoping that they can stick the landing next week, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Anyway, Michelle also has done us a huge favor because we, in this episode, have the same exclusive Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. synopsis. You won't find it anywhere else. You have to come to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You have to pop open your podcast. And you have to press play in order to get this. This is the synopsis of season one, episode five of Miss Marvel, time and again. The episode begins with news footage about India gaining independence in 1947, the formation of Pakistan, and the violent aftermath. Go back to 1942, a British soldier chases Aisha and she kills him. Hassan finds Aisha in his roses. Aisha finally accepts Hassan's help. Hassan recites a poem that has the line, What you seek is seeking you. Months pass. Aisha makes Hassan a better walking stick, and she is pregnant. More months pass. Aisha sings to a baby sauna. A couple of years later, tensions between the different religious groups causes violence to sweep across India. Hassan is angry because people have stopped buying his flowers and selling groceries to Aisha because they are Muslim. Aisha gets a visit from Najma. Najma asks Aisha if she wants to go home. She then lies to Najma about the bangle. Najma gives her until sundown the next day to find the bangle. Very Western style. Aisha uses the violence against Muslims as the reason for the family to leave. Aisha gives the bangle to Sana. At the train station, Hassan confronts Aisha. She shows Hassan the magic of the bangle. Realizing Sana isn't safe, Aisha leaves to confront Najma, who accuses Aisha of betraying her. Najma stabs Aisha. Aisha tells Najma that the plan won't work. Sana gets separated from Hassan. Aisha can hear Sana. Aisha says, what you seek is seeking you, and activates the bangle. The bangle glows. Kamala appears in 1947. Kamala finds Aisha, who tells Kamala to protect the bangle and get Sana on the train. Aisha reassures Kamala by saying Kamala has everything she needs. Aisha gives Kamala a photo of Sana with her parents. Kamala finds Sana and has them play a game. Kamala gets knocked down and Sana manipulates the shards of the broken platform to guide her back to Hassan. After Sana leaves on the train, Kamala returns to the present. 
The veil is open. Farah tries to go home, but the veil kills her. Kamala helps Kareem get the people out. Kamala confronts Najma about taking Aisha's family away and reminds Najma about Kamran. Najma sacrifices herself to close the veil, saying Kamran's name while doing so, which sends power to Kamran. Muniba finally learns about the Find a Phone feature and uses it to find Kamala. Muniba and Sana learn Kamala is the light girl. Sana reminds Muniba that their family is magical. Kamala gives Sana the picture. Kamala says goodbye to Kareem, who gives her his red scarf. Muniba finds Kamala's broken necklace. Meanwhile, back in Jersey City, Kamran goes to Brian for help. Bruno decides to help. Kamran thinks his mother will come from him. Danger Control finds Kamran instead. Kamran shoots the drone, and the drone fires into the store. The place goes boom, and the episode ends. Well, Michelle, thank you very much for that enlightening exclusive on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. synopsis. We appreciate your efforts every week. Thank you very much. Well, let's start talking about our first thoughts of the episode. Michelle, you go first. At first, I didn't like the episode, and I realized why, and that's because it was short. It's 34 minutes long, and when it stopped, it was like, no, it can't stop here. I want more, which means I actually love the episode. I've had episodes feel longer than they are before, and I've had episodes feel shorter than they are before, and neither one is good or bad, but this one, just where they stopped me and Kaylee, it was just almost in unison. Uh, no, they are not allowed to stop the episode here. Come on, where's the rest? I'm going to read the tweet that I sent out yesterday. Today I got the story I never knew I needed with Miss Marvel, time and again. It was a masterfully set up in the series, and it was executed well. I'm really looking forward to discussing it on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow. Yep, that's the way I felt about it right away. and. Also, I initially, when the first time I watched it, had a little bit of an issue with the time, but but I was watching it the second time around, and it got to the point where Kamala comes back to the present, and I was like, that should have been the episode right there. Holy crap, we have more. It was only 23 minutes into the episode when she goes back. I thought that was going to be it. We're going to spend the whole time in the past. But we get this second part of the episode. I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. And the episode is actually three big parts, right? You get the part in the past. You get kind of the fight in the middle and the reunion with the mom and the grandmother. And then you get back in Jersey City. I thought it was great. I loved it. And I can't wait to talk about it a little bit more here. Let's start, though. I mentioned the mother and the grandmother. Let's start talking about that generational family thing, because Kamala got a whole lot more than she bargained for. In this episode, right, Michelle? Yes. I'm going to try not to cry. We're here for you. It's beautiful. I did think they could get more poignant than last episode. Because last episode, you know, family was a lot. This was more than that. This was them understanding each other. Muniva, I loved how it was filmed. We've seen and heard Kamala's powers enough during this season that we didn't need to see Kamala go up to the top. We just need to hear it. And Muniba's face 
as she just comes to realize so many things about how she was mistaken and shifting into this is my daughter and isn't my daughter wonderful? Amazing acting and directing and everything. They make me feel like they're family, an actual family. I, I just remember me and my mom and my grandma and, and them bonding over not only being magical and the truth about their family, but it's always interesting when you learn that your parents were our people, that they had a life before you. I like how the rebel thing came out about how Maniva left home because of, you know, to go and see Bon Jovi. That sort of shows that Kamala also takes after her mom. And when she tells Kamala that she's holding out too tight, not let her go, that echoed my mom. And that hug between them was just, it wasn't just a hug. What's so interesting about this, when you watch it again, there's so many layers. That hug ties so many things together. You know, Kamala being revealed, Muniba accepting, Sana actually realizing that I didn't hold on to you enough. Maybe there could have been something, but this is their journey that we took. This is the journey we needed to take. And that's also part of my story. You know, I always feel like I've, you know, maybe if I'd done this, maybe if I had done that, but this is my journey and now I'm here. And Sana saying that it was just a lot and it was beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. Well, I don't know how anybody is going to be able to follow that up because that, I mean, that sums up everything so well. This really kind of takes a nice change from the comics where Muniba found out, where in there it was just kind of Muniba found out at some nebulous time and was just keeping it a secret from Kamala that she knew. And it was just kind of a way to where Kamala could still go have her thing. But looking back at the comics, you could tell, like, she stopped bugging Kamala about stuff as much. She stopped, like, visibly worrying about her. And here, hates that we only have one episode left where you get to see Buniba and Kamala interact here with everybody knowing what's going on. And then you pull Sana into it. And then just you can tell that they all love each other. You can tell that they're all really important to each other. And I feel like this is the moment where they're finally really showing each other how strong that love really is. I loved in this episode how Kamala got to go back and she got to actually meet her great-grandmother, who that's a whole nother thing. I had predicted that we'd find Aisha still alive today. Kind of disappointed that she's gone, but every family has a tragic story from Partition that's been told several times before this episode in this series. So I'm not too disappointed, but the actress was so good. The character was so good. I'm like, oh, it's so bad. It's almost like the Disney Bambi moment where mom gets killed sort of thing. But I think it was great in the story. I think it 
did amazing that Kamala was the one who went back and saved her grandmother. I have a question for you guys. It's in the show notes. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Do you think Sana knew that her granddaughter was going to go back and rescue her as she got older and she recognized who Kamala was? Do you think that she recognized her like the last time she saw her in pictures or anything like that? Do you guys think that she had a little bit of foreknowledge and started putting things together that Kamala needed to be there to go back to save her? I think when they both saw the vision of the train, I think something clicked inside Sana. Maybe she didn't know exactly what, but she told Kamala, you have to come to Karachi. You have to come now. I think it was more instinctual on her part. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I don't think she knew specifically that Kamala was going to have to go back and help her get on the train. But she definitely knew that Kamala was going to do something important and had to be in Karachi to make that happen. It was great seeing the love story between Aisha and Hassan and it being intertwined. She's going through strife because I don't know how long she's been there. They didn't really go through how long that the newer people were and our Earth, our dimension. I don't even know what to call it, the 616 universe. I don't know how long they, they were there. They could have been there for a long, longer than up to 1942 or whenever they found the bangle. So it was good to see that love story and that she decided that she was going to save the universe here or try to because that she had found a life here with her daughter, Sana, and her husband. And she knowingly sacrificed herself, basically. I don't think she knew she was going to die in the whole thing, but she knew that there was a danger of it. It was just very tragic that it would happen at that train station. It was the last train out going to Karachi. I had thought it might have been in the Karachi train station itself, which was puzzling to me because Karachi is in Pakistan. But no, it was a train to Karachi. It was the last train out of India as the borders basically tightened up. It was a little bit like the Berlin situation for a while where you just couldn't go across, where farms were divided up and they had borders and walls and stuff like that that went up there. I know a little bit about it, but not much. And so this was the last train out before that actually happened. And people were fleeing because of religious persecution at the time. Aisha, I don't think she was Muslim. She went with her husband and raised her daughter to be Muslim as well up to that point. I am assuming this whole thing, especially since she couldn't buy groceries and nobody would buy flowers for Hassan. So them, I'm a little bit almost disappointed in Hassan because I would think that he would want to leave and make his family safe. However, he was giving up everything at that point in time. So kind of see it right? Where he wanted to stay where he was. But at some point you're like, oh my gosh, we just have to leave. And they did. And unfortunately, a lot of people lost their lives in the process. And Aisha was one of them. But wow, what a amazing story came in with Kamala at the end. And Sana had talked about stars and Kamala was like, I'm sorry, I can't make stars from you, but I can make these circles can you just walk on the circles and then one of them breaks and becomes stars and kamala's like oh my gosh this is exactly as the story goes normally the sort of thing i don't get too emotionally attached to to be honest with you guys but 
It was just such amazing storytelling. It was like the opposite of Avatar, right? Because Avatar has all this sort of stuff and and amazing stuff. And you're taking a look at Avatar and you're like, okay, it's just cool as bang stuff. But you're invested in the story here. You got the love story going on. You have partition going on. You have whatever's going on with Kamal, the mystery, the Marvel universe. There's just so much here. It was so captivating. I really enjoyed the first 23 minutes. And Chris, you pointed out in the show notes how it started. Yeah, I think this was the perfect way to start it. You need to make sure that you're in the right setting for this because there is absolutely nothing that we've seen before that makes you expect to be back in the 1940s. But you get that sapia tone going. You get the 4-3 aspect ratio. That's regular Nintendo ratio for people who are young and don't have to experience that with their real life. And just doing that, every time I see it, I start thinking, okay, this is a flashback. This is something that's happened in the past. Even if the timing of it doesn't actually line up with what was being used then, it's at least a really easy shorthand to get my brain in the sensation of we're looking at the past here. Because everything we saw with Aisha and Hassan standing there, except for the British soldiers, like most of that really could have been in present day stuff for all I know, because I don't have a ton of experience in seeing Pakistani or Indian countryside stuff. But because I saw the newsreel and the film choices that they made there, I know this is the past, you know, plus the part where Aisha is still alive and pretty young. That kind of helped too. I appreciate how they did the love story. This was amazingly written and acted. The two actors who played Hassan and Aisha, I would like to put aside Aisha. She is one of the most beautiful women I've seen. She's just absolutely gorgeous. She's a lot more than just her looks, obviously, because of the emotional depth she brought to Aisha. But I just have to say, she's stunning. I appreciate how we saw the moments that we needed to see, how they bonded together, their important conversations, how it skipped time. We didn't need to see everything. I like how it wasn't a meet cute and how it wasn't one of those, oh, they didn't like each other. And so then they liked each other. It was these two people who bonded and had a, ended up having a regular relationship. I love that we got the history into the saying that's on the bangle, what you seek is seeking you, and that Aisha used her newer powers to put it on the bangle. I thought that was great and just a good part of the story that when Kamala, it was last episode, right? When she went to the Red Scarves, is that what they're called, the Red Scarves? And she was asking about the inscription. And he read it to her and she's like, is that important? And he said, it's obviously important to someone. And then we got how important it was. It was because of that emotional relationship there. That was um, just amazing. I keep on saying that word amazing, but this really hit me as I'm watching it. Like, wow, this is great. I'm glad I watched this and I'm podcasting about this series. And then, of course, with the death at the train yard of Aisha, 
I thought, oh, poor son is going to have to grow up without her mom. And he's looking out before he boards the train, right? He's looking out. He's looking everywhere for her. And it, it's like he locked eyes on Kamala. And I'm glad they didn't show them locking eyes, by the way. And he's just looking around, can't find her. And then finally decides, I have to go. And something happened. Aisha, she has magic to her. There's some background there with the gin that I just don't know about. But she said to leave and I have to leave. That probably haunted him for the rest of his life. So with Sana, also, she has an amazing memory. She had all those sketches. And I'm pretty sure in her memory, she probably could sketch out Kamala, which is why I asked her if you thought that she could remember, if Sana could remember Kamala there. I was a little kid lost in a department store in downtown Minneapolis once. And I remember the cop's face that he grabbed me. It was around Christmas time. The place was swamped. A uh, cop grabbed me. And then my grandfather came. I don't know why he came back looking for me. There was no reason that he came back looking for me, but he did. And he saw me and he's like, I'm the grandfather. And the cop looked at me. Is this your grandfather? I said, yes, it is. And he's like, okay, go with him. I remember that cop's face to this day. And I think Sana might remember, but on the other hand, I can see a child being traumatized in that moment because you're in a big, huge, bustling place where you have a lot of people that are scared. There's a lot of emotion. There's just a lot of things going on right there. So I could see either way with Sana there. But the whole thing with Aisha's death and Hassan looking out for her is just, it breaks your heart. But at the same time, it's like, oh, Kamala was there to save them. So cool. And then I was wondering how Kamala is going to get back. And then for some reason that the Noor just brought him back. I think that must have been Aisha's power that did it. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? This is throwing up so many questions of how time loops work in the MCU. Because you've got this one where Kamala has to go back and cause the thing to happen, which was the reason for her needing to go back anyway, compared to how time travel stuff has worked in Loki and over back in the Avengers movies. But I don't know. This is just... I love the way they're handling it here. This is a type of time travel I do not mind. They've talked about fate and journey in the series, being in the right place, seeing the pieces, understanding the pieces, accepting the pieces, finding beauty in them, and following what you need to. I don't mind the I have to go back to make the moment happen and then she's back. There's no lingering time fragment she's there she does the things she needs to do and then boom she's back there's no alternate timeline there's no trying to put a tesseract back but then dropping it sort of nonsense it was just plain and simple for me and also i was curious because they go back and forth between urdu and english so i just did a little research and i found that Pakistan is one of the countries that does have English as an official language, but it's not the only one. Urdu is the other official language, and about 94 million people in Pakistan speak English. So, yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me, but it also just fits perfectly with this entire story, especially since it originated from, uh, they called it an oppressive British 
regime beforehand. And if the British are anywhere in the colonial imperialism era, they're probably going to make sure everybody knows English because they want to deal with them with English. So it makes sense to me. And the fact that everybody's going back and forth between the two languages is also very believable to me now because I found out that English is not only a secondary official language, but 94 million residents of Pakistan actually speak English. So that ties up that little bow pretty neat to me. I didn't think it was a showstopper. I'd be fine with it either way, but this actually explains it. Like, this is real. This is what happens in Pakistan. That wasn't even anything that really bothered me and hit my brain at all, because I've got enough friends that speak Spanish, either because I just know they speak Spanish or they're from Spanish-speaking places, and I know enough Spanish to get myself in trouble. But when I'm talking to them, like, we'll just be in the middle of a conversation and however the thought pops into my head, that's how I'm going to say it. And sometimes that means I'm just randomly telling them something in Spanish when we've been talking in in English for a while already. That's how your brain works. It's interesting. I know someone who speaks Spanish, you know, and English when she DMs, when she when we do Dungeons and Dragons and she's the dungeon man, man, you know, when she's the dungeon master, the person who runs the game, she speaks in, in English. And one time I asked her, oh, how would you say this in Spanish? And she went, I can't because I need to read what we're doing and it's in English and I need to convey the setting and what's happening to you in English, because I know that is the language that all of you speak. And right now I need to process everything in English. And it's difficult for me to go back and forth. And I found that interesting. As far as the present time, Najma died. Najma did close the loop. She closed it for Cameron because Kamala convinced her to. But She did die. At least it looked like she died. And I'm not sorry about that at all. I had no sympathy towards Najma whatsoever. I didn't really connect with her character. It was just kind of an evilness of we're going to do this no matter what the cost. And that was the way along the entire time that we knew her and the clandestines. And I just had no sympathy for them whatsoever. Did I miss something or was it just like bad guy, bad guy, bad guy? This is what it's going to be. No, she's very clearly a stinky doo-doo head. To use words we're allowed to say on this show. Once you abandon your kid, there's a saying in Hollywood or among screenwriters, it's the kick the dog. You show how someone actually is by having them kick a dog or hurt a dog. John Wick starts because they kill his dog. That automatically makes everybody evil. He's in the right. Everybody else is evil because of the dog. Also, as far as how they died, the two clandestines that were left, they both went into the veil, tried to go through or close it or whatever. The way they died was very Terrigen Mist-like that we saw in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show, which 
harkens back to the history of the character of Miss Marvel. I don't think we're ever going to get the connection that Miss Marvel is indeed an inhuman. I think they're just going to go with you're part of this Noor dimension and you're using this Noor energy for your powers. But I did enjoy the fact that they went back to what would be a Terrigen Mist type death and cocoon death that we saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I did appreciate that visualization. Did either you two pick up on that? It's a non-zero possibility, though, that they could make Miss Marvel be inhuman because they brought Black Bolt back in Multiverse of Madness, and this could just be a she gets inhuman stuff from her father's side and from her mother's side she has the gin stuff and maybe that's how she can do something with this mist that doesn't kill her because maybe the mist just hates gin that's an interesting idea chris i did not think of that yeah on the father's side yeah especially since we never got the explanation about his leg was it broken because of a fight that he had with the British soldier or, you know, was it a birth defect or, you know, what happened there? That could be part of the inhuman history there. Yeah. Good job. As a parent and as a parent who has given Apple phones, mobile phones, iPhones to his kids, I actually both loved that Muniba didn't know her daughter's phone could be tracked and the fact that she did track the phone to get to her and here's my philosophy as a parent even with kids that are over 21 now all my kids are over 21 if i pay for the phones i'm going to track for the phone so if you pay for your own phone i don't need to know where you are but i'm tracking the phone i'm not tracking you and i need to know where that phone is at all times because i'm paying for it some of these phones are 1500 dollars or more i want to know where that phone is the fact that Muniba didn't know about that, I don't know if her husband took care of that stuff or not before, but okay. But I'm glad that she found out and like, okay, it's a very believable moment to me that she shows up there and is like, okay, and actually sees everything as it's ending too. Then there's no hiding it. Like girl, it is. I've used that feature to find my mom's phone one time because she didn't know where it was. And I at least needed to know if it was on the property. And it was like, okay, it's somewhere on the property, mom. It's not at your work. Like I was able to verify it is somewhere here. It is not at your work. Did you have it play the sound? I don't know if it's an Apple phone or not, but were you able to play a sound or you just knew it was there? I just knew it was okay. there. Even if I played the sound, we wouldn't have heard it because she had it had fallen in the weird oh. part of the car. Yeah. And my parents, with how they are with technology, my dad is way more into stuff than my mom is. So I can totally believe that Kamala's dad was the one going and getting the phones, getting everything set up. And Kamala's mom was just, okay, I have a phone that works. It's cool. Let me learn how to do things as I decide I need to learn how to do them. And not even thinking about the possibility of tracking being an option. So my parents just had their anniversary, the 52nd anniversary, and I was struggling what to get them for their anniversary present this time. But then because of the whole situation that happened a few weeks ago with my son, I'm like, oh, I know what to get them. So I got air tags for them and I got air tag cases 
so they could put them on their keys and then they come in packs of four so they got four so dad could put it in his wallet mom can put her in her purse they could track something else maybe they want to track one a vehicle just in case they think it's going to be stolen or whatever because they have had it was a long time ago but they had had a vehicle stolen from their driveway yes you can use them to track all this sort of stuff and i was just thinking in terms of this like yeah air tags would be great in this particular case you know tag your kid like they were trying yeah the dog escaped one time he came back and i microchipped him it's like i would microchip my daughter if it was legal (laughs) so it's just a funny situation there I know plenty of parents who would do that, though. Right. I mean, I would if it was legal, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, I didn't. It's not legal. So, and That your kids know of. That's right. And let me be clear. I track the phones. I do not track the kids. If the kids happen to take their phones with them, then by definition, I'm tracking the kids. But I'm tracking that phone. I Muniba just came alive in this. You've been talking about it, Michelle, with the family and, and the whole mother-daughter relationship that's going on with Muniba. But we learned that she's a Bon Jovi groupie, and I can't wait to see some pictures of that. You got a hint. We did. And then let's talk about predictions here. I'm sure you guys have other things to talk about about the episode, but let's talk about predictions. What do you think the final episode is going to be? Because Aside from the way it ended, this would have been a great finale episode for Miss Marvel. It's not. Next week is an episode. But what do you think is going to happen? This is a tough one because of that exact reason right there. I think this is going to use damage control to bridge straight into She-Hulk because I don't think they have enough time to really get anything done in an episode that would change a bunch of stuff. And they're definitely not going to do Comrons. Cameron. Yeah, they're definitely not going to do his comic storyline. So I don't think he's going to be evil suddenly. Although maybe his mother possessed him and he is going to be evil now. And I have no idea. And I love that I have no idea. He thinks his mom is going to come for him. He's going to learn that his mom died to close the veil for him. Kamala was there, but have Kamala stopped it? He might be thinking that. Maybe he might be able to reason about the situation, but he now has powers. She has powers. Damage control is after both of them. Will they pin everything on Cameron? And... Somehow Kamala needs to free him. I think the story with damage control is going to be the main thread of the finale. Yeah, that's what I have in the show notes is I think there's going to be a battle against damage control because of the timing of what happens here. I don't know if Kamala's going to get back before Bruno and Cameron are captured or what's going to happen. I don't know. But here's the other wild card. We know Kamala is in the Marvels movie that's going to be next year. I don't know if Captain Marvel comes in here or not. It's a possibility that there is a some sort of cameo. Now, you're right. It could just be She-Hulk. But I'm thinking there has to be some sort of tie that ties Kamala 
to Carol Danvers. I could be completely wrong about that. Maybe that's just a wish for me because I enjoy Captain Marvel. I enjoy Brie Larson. So I just hope that it happens, but it might not. So we'll see. The other thing that I think is going to happen is because Muniba knows that Kamala is light girl and we know that she saw her necklace the way that it was and we know that she makes costumes I think she's going to make Kamala's new costume. I think we're going to get that next episode. How did I not think about that? We've seen the skills. They showed us Chekhov's gun and they haven't done anything with it. Yeah. I think we're going to get that next episode. Could it be at the end? Maybe. Could it be before the end as she goes out for a final battle with damage control? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I hope that the holy man and the father get involved too because those are just actors that just were way too good in this series to just leave them on the table and not use them for the final episode but this is a marvel six episode series so who knows how they were able to utilize them or how they got on a contract or whatever so i don't know Uh, and also her friend i think we need to get her back as well a lot of moving pieces, and I don't know how long it's going to take Kamala to get back to Jersey. That's an issue. Are they going to be able to use powers to travel right away, use the bangle right away? Or are they going to spend a day in an airplane to get back while Bruno and Cameron are hiding out? I don't know. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Next Wednesday, I might actually stay up. Okay, so last week, the two weeks ago, I stayed up because I was editing late and to midnight and it did not happen at three or midnight East coast time. They didn't drop. It was like three or 4 AM that it dropped. So I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to try to watch the episode early in the morning. Might not happen. I don't know. I'm an old guy. I might want to hit the snooze alarm and sleep in and then go to work on time. We'll see. But this is one that I want to see right when it comes out. So I got to figure out right when it's coming out and if I'm going to be awake or not. But that's what we're going to talk about next time, right? Exactly. Unless we've all died from excitement. Season one, episode six. Are you guys all talked out? Should I ask that first? I'm good. Yeah, I I think we hit everything we needed to hit on this one. It's just so... I'm still wrapped up in the fact that I've been looking at Kamala's good costume right here beside me on my spot, sitting here on the curb, and I'd never put that together. She has to get it from somewhere. I think mom's the one to do it. I mean, Bruno's a maker. He could do it, too, but I think the mom's going to do it, especially now that she knows. Maybe it'll be a collaboration between the two. We'll see. Meantime, we do have some Marvel Studio news to cover. Charlie Cox, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, they're returning for the Marvel series Echo. Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, who portrayed classic Marvel characters Daredevil and Kingpin, respectively, have joined the series, which stars Hawkeye Breakout, Alacquia Cox as Maya Lopez. Marvel had no comment. The move is the latest sign of Marvel Studios' efforts to weave in popular characters from the Netflix's now- defunct Marvel shows such as Daredevil into the fold, 
Sources say Echo will include a plotline in which Daredevil, whose alter ego is blind attorney Matt Murdock, is searching out a former ally. They both looked like they were having so much fun in the Daredevil series, playing those characters. I'm glad that they can get them back. I'm glad that the rights timing has done whatever it needs to do so that this is a possibility for everyone. Maybe we can get good Iron Fist. Or maybe we just take Colleen and leave everything from Iron Fist. We're getting Daredevil characters. We need Karen Page. Full stop. I don't know if we're going to get her in the Echo series. I think eventually, I hope we get her. Absolutely. I just don't know if it's going to be an Echo. We've heard rumors that Daredevil is coming back as a series. I would hope, if you're using the same characters, that you would bring Karen Page back for that. And Foggy and Marcy and everybody else totally want to see every one of those. I really hope that we do bring back Karen Page, at least in Daredevil. Don't know if it's going to be an echo. And this would be Charlie Cox's return to the small screen. He was on the big screen, of course, in Spider-Man, but this would be his return to the small screen back to the Defenders type universe. I think that's a win at this point. And if the rumors are true and there's a Daredevil series in development, I would hope that the full fledge of characters come back. Well, Michelle, what else we got? Well, we talk a lot about Kevin Feige and his business, you know, his business savvy and his relationships with individuals. Well, in this case, Marvel boss Kevin Feige had to warn Sony about Spider-Man spinoff movies. Whilst Marvel Studios is hard at work continuing to build out the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Sony is actively trying to replicate the success with its own universe of Spider-Man characters. Though the franchises are developed and produced by competing studios, they work together regarding the rights to Spider-Man, allowing the characters to swing between the worlds as they see fit. That means that despite overseeing Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige still has his hand in helping guide the vision of Sony. In a new report, one insider says that the mega producer offers notes on all of Sony's Marvel-related properties. Not only that, but he's warned Sony decision-makers to not get ahead of themselves with the Sony universe of Spider-Man characters. And I don't think they have listened to Mr. Feige. If you have watched I have not watched Morbius, and I don't think I will. I have seen too much footage of it. And then there's the whole vision thing. Someone needs to really listen to Mr. Feige. If I want to watch Morbius, then I will go watch the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. Jared Leto is his own special brand of, I'd rather not experience that right now. Where is Ghost Spider? This is what we need. And if we don't get a ghost spider out of this, I'm going to be very disappointed. We've mentioned ghost spider before. Let's take a second to go back and let's talk about the origin of ghost spider. Who is ghost spider and why is it important to the Marvel comic universe? So ghost spider is from earth 65 and she from that world is somebody who might maybe be important to Peter Parker in earth 616. Because she is that Earth's Gwen Stacy, who did not die and get her neck snapped by physics actually applying in a real-world way in a comic book. 
where did the name Ghost Spider come from and how did it evolve into Ghost Spider? Well, she started off trying to be Spider Woman, but then there's already a Spider Woman. And she was Spider Gwen when they found out who she was because there were some legal things and we don't have time to get into all that right now. Like legal in the story of the comics, not in real world. And with her dad in the comics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point it's like, hmm, Ghost Spider's a cool name and really cool comic. And all of this is coming from the Edge of Spider-Verse miniseries that they had a few years ago. And it's just planned as, okay, cool, here's this one-off character we might use a couple more times in the series. But everybody loved the costume so much that they just had to make a more fleshed-out character for her. And now there are five ghost spiders sitting on my desk and another few that are about to be in the mail. So here's my take on this news, is that Kevin Feige has toys in the Spider-Verse that he still wants to use. Could be Ghost Spider. But what I'm thinking is more of his primary goal right now, especially all the money that they're using to set up this in time and series, they want Miles Morales. The only way they can get Miles Morales is through a deal with Sony because Sony has all the Spider-Man rights. They have the rights to Gwen Stacy. They have the rights to Peter Parker. They have the rights to Miles Morales. Can't use Miles Morales without Sony being on board. And you can't do champions without miles morales so he wants miles morales so that's what this whole thing is about it's like there are toys over there that i want to play with you're going to benefit from it i promise you don't screw it up don't get ahead of yourselves don't ruin the brand because if you ruin the brand it's going to make this meaningless for both of us as we go forward that's my take on it and i could be wrong I don't think I am. I think it is being set up in front of our eyes so much. I mean, the series that we're watching right now, Ms. Marvel, is part of the champions. I think this is where we're going. And if you get champions, then you get Squirrel Girl, which means you can get Doctor Doom, which means you can sneak the Fantastic Four in that way, in a way that nobody is expecting. And you can see Doctor Doom beaten by an army of squirrels. I did not see that one coming. My thought. The success of Into the Spider-Verse. Now people know who Miles Morales is. The popularity of those films is a way for Kevin Feige to not take that version of Miles Morales, but of course make his own. And people would respond to it because they've had an introduction to him. I've noticed that Sony is, you know, they've done Venom and Carnage. They did Morbius. It seems someone is sort of listening to Kevin Feige, say, staying away from a lot of the Spider-Man directness. One of the reviews of Morbius that I watched was, how come this is a Spider-Man villain and not a Batman villain because of the way they, they did the film? And in the way, I understand that. I have not watched it. I've done enough for reviews few minutes to realize I don't want to watch it because again, Gerald Leto is Gerald Leto. So I do think Sony is listening in that part. I think someone in Sony is going use the things Kevin Feige definitely doesn't want. We're going to hold on to these. And I think you're right, SP. They know 
where the money is. They know the money is from MCU. They know the money is Spider-Man. And Sony is going to hold on to that card and play it wisely, I hope. Yeah, the long pole and the tent on the champions right now is Hulkling, because unless it comes out in She-Hulk, I don't think we have a Hulkling in the MCU to deal with. So that might be an issue with the champions per se, but we've got just about everyone else. I think there's like uh, with Vision's uh, daughter is part of it too. So that might be another long pole in the tent to pull a real straight out of the comic books champions. But Miles Morales, you have to have Miles if you're going to do the champions. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's exciting times because we all liked Hawkeye. We all liked Ms. Marvel so far. We appreciated Eli in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, there's buildup here, and I just can't wait to see the payoff eventually. Could be five years from now. I don't know. Hopefully I'm alive then. We'll see. Anyway, we do have some brief feedback that you gave us about this episode of Ms. Marvel. We asked on our Twitter account earlier today, we gave you all a day for spoiler reasons. We didn't want to, you know, spoiler anything, but we asked what your one word review would be of this episode of Ms. Marvel. And we had at Mr. Pericletes come back to us and he said inevitable. And then Andy Migna said legacy. I like both of those. What do you guys think? Definitely legacy. I'm really digging that legacy one. It works on so many levels. I want to do something like epicness, but I just couldn't find the word and I'll find it later, but it's epic. This episode was epic and the series up to this point was epic leading up to the episode. So yeah, I'm all for that. All right, Michelle, it's getting kind of late. What do you think? Well, I think we need to open up our find a phone app and well, do some tracking ourselves. Thank you, everybody that watched this live. Thank you, everybody who has downloaded it or watched it on YouTube later. We really appreciate you consuming our content. We really appreciate you reaching back out to us because we do this because you like to talk about Marvel stuff. We like to talk about Marvel stuff, and we really appreciate you interacting with us to make this more of a community and just to enjoy what we've got. So thank you very much for sticking with us. Yes, again, we always... Enjoy your interaction and you listen to us however you get this podcast. Thank you very much. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at shell underscore game. Every time you tell your friend about this show and it just opens up a whole new world of people who can hear us because there is not a good algorithm for sending people podcasts. Word of mouth is the best way to do it. And you know, just shoving the podcast into people's ear holes, but that might be a little bit rude. If you want to hear me on other things, you can head on over to playcomics.com, where for the next episode coming out, I am joined by the hosts of Tencent Takes, and we are taking a look at X-Men Reign of Apocalypse. 
But as we record this, the newest episode is looking at the Kickstarter comic producing the end of the world. Hmm. If you want to hear anything about me, I'll tell you what, if you like podcast production, if you want a little bit of behind the scenes over on the better podcasting YouTube channel and the new feed that I started better podcasting chats with SP, you can find out all about my studio upgrade on the YouTube side of things. You see what I took out, what I put back in and my initial thoughts of the studio. I will tell you, this is my first time running a legends of shields show live recording with this new setup i love the monitor the monitor might be the best part about this whole thing we want to learn more about that please hit me up and we will talk a lot about monitors well that's it for this week until next time i'm director sp i'm agent michelle and i'm agent chris bye see you next week for the finale bye only one more. That makes me sad. How? Where's the second bangle? Where's the second bangle? Uh, how are they going to do this in one episode? Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I say my theory still holds on the second bangle that it's in the museum that was in the internals in London and it is going to show up either in a post credit scene or in the Marvels and that's going to be our tie to the Black Knight. Ooh. I nice. Drive with that. I think we're at the point because we know the British kind of rampaged the tomb or whatever it was where these bangles were, right? Yes, that's right. The British Museum is the biggest place that holds all that stolen material. I mean, that's what the British British Museum is. It's just, look at all the stuff we stole. What it is. It's where the bangle is. I'm telling you, it's where the bangle is. Ooh, that, that means that we would get a cameo by a Bollywood star. Oh, he was mentioned. Ooh, he was name dropped. He was. And for those of you who are following along with the Eternals, the actor who played the Bollywood star was also in a role in Obi-Wan. That is true. Mm-hmm. It's getting some love by Disney right now. It would be great if we got him back because I think he was underused in Eternals. They all were. Can't argue with that. Yeah, that's my theory on the bangle. So if anybody else has one before we see the episode, please let us know. We'd love to talk about it. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, gosh. And it's probably one in those displays that is just like that we saw Southern India. Yeah. It's like.
relics from this part of India. And it's just like all these jewelry parts. And then there's the bangle and they have no idea what they have. I mean, I suppose it could have been a link to Moon Knight, but there was no linkage, I don't think, in Moon Knight. I think it would be linked to Eternals more than anything else. Shang-Chi. I mean, it could be linked there, but there was no... Yeah, I think the Eternals is more plausible, especially since one of them was name-dropped. And they're going to use Black Knight again. It would bring Black Knight back, which is a link to Blade. I mean, wow. Yeah. Because the post-credit scene had Black Knight with Blade. Blade's voice. It's all connected. I love it. We're going to see connections later. And, you know, some of it might not happen, but we're going to see connections later that we're like, oh, yeah, we should have known that. Well, we talked about it. <laughs> it's all in the speculation. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Okay. Thought I had this. Everything. New setup. Yeah, I know. I've been there. Dealing with it right now, actually. I feel like I'm coming into myself, too. Let's, no, not that one. Let's get rid of that one. Oh, oh, no. Right there. Right there. I think I looked at right there. Huh. Which way can you? Oh, you can see over there. Testing. One, two, three, testing. Well, this is a lot better than last time. I can actually hear myself. Well, that's good. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you can. Yep. All right. Must have been part of the update. We'll see what the recording waveforms look like. I was not impressed last time when I did the stream to uh, unveil my studio. Yeah. Do I look better? I was going to mention it. You look phenomenal. Thank you. The lighting is better. Your headphones don't have the lights on them, which I think help a little bit because you're not blinding the camera. Right. Because I finally figured out a way, a nice way to store these and hook them up and switch cool so that way they're easier to get to now all right so i made that part of my setup easier to get to this so and i got um i found i still have my ring light over here but i got the logitech ultra glow usb mounts on your monitor like just hook it's tiny and that's that's my light over there oh, i gotta check this out logitech ultra glow is yeah, I think it's called the Ultra Glow. Oh, yeah. Litra Glow. Yeah, it's just, it, it's kind of like how their camera, you know, you can just stick it on your, as that little. Nice. Yeah. How's it powered? USB, you said? USB. And then once you turn it on and you get their hub, you can adjust it with your computer. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I just got one because I have like the other ring light over here. I just like, I think I just need like one with and then the filler with the ring light over here. Are you against a wall where you are? Are you looking at a wall right now? No. Okay. I'm looking at. Because I would probably bounce it forward and then come back on my setup. That's how I would do it. For me. So that's what I'm doing now. It's just lots of stuff. Yeah. I'm still playing with it and still trying to get used to the new setup. 
see how I like it. I need to play around with it. That is very bright. So since we both talked, I guess we both had studio upgrades. So that's good. Yeah, I'm almost done with the cleaning project. Almost done. I am not done with the cleaning project, but I was gone for a week, so yeah, not chastising myself too much about that. And I was literally working the video portion of the Better Podcasting live chat that I posted before I left. I was literally working that until I left. I had numerous mistakes that I had to fix in the final video version and I had to render it and re-render it and re-render it. And that just took some time. Finally, I got it rendered and we were a little bit late, a couple of minutes. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to upload it and then have my daughter come over later today and shut off my computer, which I'm glad Mm -hmm. it did because it thunderstormed. I don't think it thunderstormed that night. It might've, but she did. It did thunderstorm the next day. And I know I confirmed with her the next day that she had shut it off. So that was good. Otherwise, I'd, I guess I could have remoted in. I got to figure out how to remote into my computer because this is probably not going to be the only time this ever happens. Anyway, went up to the lake. Had a great time up at the lake. And was fishing, was water sports, taking care of some small projects. You know, it's only five months until ice fishing. So, you know, you got to get ready for ice fishing. <laughs> We had the 4th of July parade, saw the boats out there. Somebody did a Top Gun theme with three boats and a pontoon, which simulated Miramar. They had two Lund fishing boats, which simulated the Mavericks plane and the aggressor or enemy plane. That was all cool. A couple other good uh, Empire Strikes Bass was another pontoon. So they were (laughs) reenacting the whole Empire Strikes Back scene. That was must have been fun for them. There's not a lot of sci-fi love on our lake because uh, they didn't get a lot of votes. Oh, I know it was it was not cool, and didn't go see the fireworks. But I was fishing during the fireworks. That was probably the better call between the two. But we did a family game thing where literally we, it was like the Olympics, but we were all on the same team because we all had the same color shirt. But we were having two different teams just to make it competitive and fun. Stuff like cornhole and ladder golf and stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds like fun. It's sort of raining. Otherwise, we would have had a kayak and a tug of war and a couple other things that we didn't do. But the at the end, my sister had created this game board for, I don't know if it was their school or a hockey association. And it's this standing plywood thing that has holes cut into it and then you put solo cups in it with tissue paper that's covering the top and then in the middle is a prize like a gift card or something and then you use a nerf gun to try to perforate one of the cups and then you win whatever is in that cup that sounds like fun so that was the prizes at the end so we did that and I got a, a coffee mug, which is still in my suitcase because I made sure I packed it in the original packing so it wouldn't break. 
So that was all fun. I got more story to tell, though, but I want to say hi to Chris and his half an arm that's on the screen. Hi. How are you doing? Well, it's interesting because my hand keeps disconnecting from my body, but then it comes back. (laughs) (laughs) At number one, new headphones. Yes. They look so tiny on you. Tiny headphones. I know. (laughs) How was your fourth, Chris? It was good. We actually, so it was on the second. There was birthday party for the kid that Kaylee nannies for. Right. And then our fourth stuff on the third, because we decided recovery day on the fourth was more important than being on the actual day. I don't think you were the only one. Half the lake left by noon, at least on, on Monday. It seemed to be the smart choice this past holiday, which kind of sucks because, you know, you can't do it on the fourth, but oh, well, it's like Thanksgiving's never on the same day. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Linda Carter broke the internet this time. Oh, what'd she do now? Oh, she's just being super wholesome again. Oh, boy. The veil is open. Farah tries to go home, but the veil kills her. Kamala helps Kareem get the people out. Kamala confronts Najma about taking Aisha's family away and reminds Najma about Amran. Najma sacrifices herself to close the veil, saying Cameron's name while doing so, which sends power to Cameron. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the cat. I know, me too. What cat? <laughs> Yours. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's climbing up the, the backdrop. <laughs> Oh, you can't there were just these little feet poking up from the corner. <laughs> well, that's oh, so new. Someone's getting used to the new setup as well. Yeah. Okay, Chris. <sighs> Muniba learns about the find a phone feature and uses it. I have a question. Quest. Mm-hmm. What was my cat doing? It was literally trying to climb your backdrop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, I could see Chris because I, I, Michelle, I don't know if you can see everybody or not because yeah, you, you can mm-hmm. because Chris can't. All Chris can see is himself below, right? Or can you see everybody else? Um, yeah, it's the three of us on the main screen right now and then just me below that. Below that. All the time. So I can see everybody. So I'm looking at, I'm seeing what's going on in screen and I'm, I'm looking at Chris and he's, he's sitting there. And, and, and stuff and i'm like i was like i'm gonna let you get through saying what you're saying because you're obviously either trying to power through it or oblivious to what's going on behind you either way i just want to get it before chris and i completely <laughs> bust out laughing i was completely oblivious yeah to what that was doing yeah that was funny that was great it was- it's just little feet going up there <laughs> and so your backdrop is is waving back and forth a little bit too it was, it was funny. Okay. It was great. I did not want to bring it up in the news because I don't like to bring in like weird rumors in news. Like, um, but one of the rumored allies that Daredevil could be looking for is Jessica Jones. That has been floating in the rumor mill 
But I did not want to say anything because I don't want people to start be like, oh, well, you said it was going to be Jessica Jones and it's end up being somebody else. But I thought that would be interesting. And because I heard that perhaps Christian can come back. But yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Jessica Jones is a, but her and She-Hulk together. Yeah. Would be amazing. Well, in the comics, they get along great, yeah. right? Spider-Woman, Jessica Jones, and She-Hulk. I mean, the three of them hang, literally hang out. I've read, like, they go out for wine and dinner and stuff when they're not pregnant, because that happens, too. Oh, there's so many ways, so many ways to start bringing things in. The only thing I think right now is odd to bring in are the mutants. I know they brought in Xavier with the multitude. I don't know. They're doing the they're doing the X Men ninety seven series. So in a way, I feel like that's the way they can bring in the mutants is that way. And I would be happy if that's how we got the mutants and we don't get any live action stuff. I don't need. What if we get Avengers versus X Men? Well, that's part of the the comics that are coming out next week. Uh, the Axe. What is that called? The Judgment Day, which is the Eternals versus X-Men, I believe. That's coming out. So there's all sorts of possibilities. Marvel would not be dropping some of the stuff if they didn't have a plan to use it on screen. And I was intrigued about this axe thing because I'd never heard about it before. But I don't hear about it. I don't consider myself an expert, right? Let's see. Um... Midtown Comics AXE, and I think X is for X Men, Eve of Judgment number one, one shot. And it is literally the Eternals. I haven't been following any of the Eternals on the comic books because I just, I consider them to be inhumans at the moment, right? Where inhumans weren't used anymore. Yeah. Yeah. However, we do have Eternals on the screen. They have characters that they would be stupid not to use again. They've already, you know, in the post-credit scenes, shown where some of them go off to, right? So they're going to be using the Eternals. And with linking the Eternals to the X-Men here with Eve of Judgment, yeah, I, I can definitely see it. X-Men are going, I mean, they, they've reinvented the X-Men in a new situation right now. Where uh, Kate Pride has the Marauders, and they're on a new planet, I think, with the Immortal X Men, and uh, there's X Men Red, and X. I mean, they've basically everything is along a path right now in the comics. Usually, what we've seen on screen is comics that are ten, fifty, or five to ten years old. So I don't think any of this stuff will be there, but it. At least it gives a sense to me that Marvel is thinking in terms of bringing the X-Men back sooner rather than later and into some sort of cohesive storyline. I think one of those storylines we're getting next week with the Eve of Judgment. So I'm curious as to what that is going to be like. I finally have a good source for a new desktop. Yeah. Besides hoping the vendors can find one. The guy that Kaylee nannies for says that they always end up ordering extra doors for one of his clients and they know they're paying for it and they don't mind paying for just a 
super basic flush door slab and having the insurance of if anything happens, they have the slab ready to go. And so he just never gives them credit for it at the end. So they're starting up a thing now. And if they don't have one from the job that they're finishing up, then they'll have one from this job that they're about to get started on. Is it just a basic uh, wood grain door? Oh, I mean, this is going to be a just a flush birch door slab. Without a hole cut in for the um, doorknob, or is there... I it depends. Okay. I don't know, just however it ends up coming. Like I'll end up putting a hole in it anyway, just to run the cables through. Right. So if it has the door hole doorknob hole in it, then it's fine. And I guess it's, it's not, in the middle, it so yeah. All right. So that's exciting. Will that be more space for you then? Yeah, it's like four feet, something like that on the desk right now that I've got set up. So we're talking at least six, six feet. Foot, yeah. Eight on that nice very nice i could have more monitors with all that space (laughs) i would love for cooper to be able to sit back there while i'm editing because he wants to be close to me oh i don't think i could podcast with him in the room because he keeps on coming up to me nuzzling me like pet me now in golden retriever fashion like you will pay attention to me now i don't care what you're doing you will pay attention to me (laughs) like no um so we've just decided that whenever i need to do stuff i need to close that door so like when i was doing prep for this episode or shut he didn't like that i think he's sitting right outside the door so i gotta be careful when i open it yeah he's become very attached to his grandpa you accepted that he's your dog yet no, he is not my dog. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> we had that conversation up in Wisconsin, and I will be glad for the dog to go to its rightful owner as soon as possible. One of the things, Chris, that is in my history is I have been a volunteer puppy raiser for Canine Companions for Independence. So I've kept the dogs for about a year and a half, and then they go to full-time training for six months and if they make it they make it if they don't then i get first right of refusal i've taken one dog that way the others i've nope go i i do not want the dog and that one dog that we took passed away a few years ago destroyed me for a very long time so i don't want to go through that again and uh, as as much as cooper's a good dog and i like him and love him and everything i just i don't want to deal with that end of life so avoidance maybe, but it's just something that I just don't want to do. Plus, I don't want to take the have to take the dog for a five mile walk every day, which is at least an hour and a half yeah. of my time every day. I have to exercise, so I get that, but I don't want to have to walk for an hour and a half every day where the weather might be really crappy. I walked in some really cold days this past winter. Really, really mm. cold days. And I just don't want to do that. I've walked through a blizzard. Don't want to do that. Oh my God. Yeah. It didn't matter to him. He's like, snow. I love snow. This is great. I'm like, it's cold. It's windy. It's raining. And, you know, he's got the fur coat on. So he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And when it gets too hot, he can't do it. So I have to wake up at Odark 30 to take him for a walk. Oh, God. Yeah. You don't have like a fence backyard where you can just go, go play. Yeah. But that doesn't, he needs the actual hour and a half yeah. continual exercise. Otherwise, he 
gets into trouble. He gets into trouble anyway, but if he doesn't, he gets into big trouble. And that means that something of ours is destroyed and we would uh, prefer not to have stuff of ours destroyed. Good. How would he call a giant hamster wheel? If I could get him on it, because they do make dog treadmills. If I could get him on it, if he could figure it out, that would be excellent. I think he's too stupid. <laughs> yeah, I've I've tried to get dogs like him on treadmills before. And they just end up sliding back and then hurting themselves as they fall off. And I've tried it once with him already, and he did not get it. Not going to work. Oh, gosh. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.